Thank you, John, Christy, Heidi, appreciate that much. Second Corinthians chapter number 12, you'll join me there. Second Corinthians chapter number 12, if you need a Bible, there's a pew Bible there in front of you. We invite you to grab that. That will be on page 692 of that pew Bible. But in Second Corinthians chapter 12 is where we'll be at. And so I encourage you to join us there. Before we get into the message, let me remind you also with Missions Conference coming up, if you have a Mars jar at home or you've been collecting for that offering for our missionaries, I'd encourage you to turn that in sooner than later. That would be great. And so we prepare for that. It's always a great time time to present that offering the Thursday night of Missions Conference as we've collected that all year, our change and things like that. And so I encourage you to bring that in. That will help the guys. It's much easier to count it in increments than all the Sunday right before. So if you could do that, that would be great. Uh, We appreciate that very much. The title of this morning's message is this, Overcomer or Overwhelmed? Overcomer or Overwhelmed? Uh, we're going to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in just a moment, so hold your spot there. But in 1 John, we won't look there. We'll look there later on in the message. But in verse 4, 1 John chapter 5, the author of that book, of that epistle, he, he gives a question in verse number uh, five, uh, 4 there. He says this, uh, notice it, he gives us this question. Who is he that overcometh the world? Who is it that can uh, overcome the world, all that it involves and all that it entails for you and I? No doubt, every single one of us here this morning, we face challenges, trials, problems, maybe even some crisis moments this week. We went through struggles. We went through different things. Perhaps in those, in this world, you were tempted to be overwhelmed. Were you tempted this week and you knew some things you were facing and in reality was you were tempted uh, instead of getting out of bed, pulling the covers over your head? Uh, I don't want to face today. In reality, though, we may uh, chuckle a little bit. The fact is this. All that life in this world throws out us can often cause us to be overwhelmed. I don't want to face today. I don't want to see anybody else's face. I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to. I don't know what I'm going to do in that situation. I, and boy, we can just go on and on and on. And the fact is this. Life can be very overwhelming. People not even want to get out of bed. They just want to throw in the towel in life. And uh, the fact is this, Christians are not exempt from that temptation. There is a widely spread error among some people that Christians, once you get saved, life is great, perfect, and hunky-dory, no problems. And to that we all go, huh, huh, <laughs> We know that's not to be true, but there's some people who think that. I would say the reality is this, and don't miss it. I think that once you become a Christian, life even gets tougher. Life gets tougher. You say, how? Well, Pastor Henry, that's not a good advertisement for being a Christian. (laughs) Reality, my friend, is this. Life gets tougher, but also you have more to face it with. That's what this message is about this morning. Okay, so it does get tougher. You say, why does it get tougher? Because here's the reality. Once you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Satan's real upset. Satan's real upset. As much as God wants his kingdom, heaven, and the kingdom of hearts to be full, Satan wants his eventual eternal kingdom, hell, (laughs) to be full. And he lost you. He lost you. And so as you come to put your faith and trust in Christ, my friend, Satan is angry and he's going to pile on in your life. 
He's going to seek whom he may devour. He's going to come around and with his darts and his arrows, he's going to shoot them all he can at you, Christian. And he's going to do it through trials and problems and troubles and and heartaches and you name it. He's going to throw it and shoot darts at you. It's one of the reasons the Bible says put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the fact is this, you and I as believers, we have an enemy who is intensively active in our lives. And he may use finances, he may even use health like he did with Lot. He may use all kinds of things to make you overwhelmed in life. And it doesn't end there. You know when you and I become a Christian, God in heaven says, as my child, I want the best for you. And because I want the best for you, I want you to be challenged. I want you to grow. And the means of growth is often trials. And so God sends trials. So we got Satan piling on, and then we got our Heavenly Father in heaven who knows what's best for us. And you can think of a parent who forces broccoli down your throat, amen? And at first you're like, ugh, but then maybe you come to appreciate it. Hey, God in heaven is sending trials in your life, in my life. No doubt, he probably sent some trials in somebody's life this past week. And as he does, he intends them to grow us. He intends them to build our faith, to edify, to strengthen us in our dependency and our focus on spiritual things. But the problem is this. If we don't handle them scripturally, even the trials from the hands of God can be overwhelming. And many a Christian, instead of seeing a trial being a stepping stone in their growth, it becomes a stumbling block because they're overwhelmed. Where God's intent and his desire is for you to grow in it and through it. With those two realities of what the Christian life is, can I tell you our lives can be full. There can be things going on daily and weekly and monthly and yearly, challenges and troubles and trials, all when faced without the strength of God and power of Christ. They become truly overwhelming. Now, if we were real honest this morning, as we ought to be, we could all point to some time in our life when we kind of fell back into our flesh, we backslid, And we handled a situation or looked at a situation from our flesh. And if we're honest, we would say, you know what? I felt very overwhelmed. I was starting to give in to that temptation that I I just can't handle this. This is is too much and I'll never be able to work through this. I'll never live beyond this. And boy, that situation became so. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be a financial, a health issue. You name it, a job situation that you lost or whatever the case may be. It becomes overwhelming. May I encourage you this morning that God doesn't want you to be overwhelmed in life, in this world. He wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you and I on a daily basis to overcome. But I want to ask you this morning, which are you? Are you overwhelmed this morning? Are you an overcomer? Which is it? Which was it this past week? As things (laughs) happened in your life and they always happen, things are going to come. Which were you? Were you that overcomer or were you uh, someone who was overwhelmed? You say, well, Pastor Henry, I want to be an overcomer. I I don't want to be overwhelmed, but how do I do that? 
Well, there's some truths in Scripture that the Lord challenged me with this week. I've shared a couple of them at times, and I want to share them with you this morning. The first one this. You want to be an overcomer. The first thing you have to do is this. You need to subscribe to God's grace. Subscribe to God's grace. Look with me here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. We look at verse 7 first. Notice it, Paul speaking. He says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know what Paul says? Now listen, he says, I was the recipient of a thorn in the flesh, whether God allowed it, the messenger of Satan, whatever, how you want to describe it. He had a thorn in the flesh. Let me ask you, what was your thorn in the flesh this week? It may have been of last week, it may have been this whole year, but what was your thorn in the flesh? The thing that God allowed, or maybe even God sent, that, that Satan wants it to overwhelm you, but God wants you to overcome it. What was it in your life this week? Was it a, a personal stumbling block of even sin, or was it a challenge, a trial in one way or the other? What was it, you, what was it that, that Satan wanted you to become discouraged and despair over and, and kind of get you to throw in the towel in some ways or to stop operating, lose your focus, whatever it is? Oh, there's many things from health and finances, relationship issues, unfulfilled expectations, burdens galore. See, we all have them. Life is full of thorns in the flesh. And I want you to notice that Paul identifies one other reason that thorns in the flesh are given to us. Do you see what he says? He, he, he makes this statement, lest I be exalted above measure. And he says this, for the revelations, uh, uh, the abundance of the revelations that was given to me. In other words, he was blessed of God, and because of that blessing, God didn't want him to get exalted, to think more of himself than he ought to, uh, exalt himself and, and think that he was better, greater, have you want to think, something special that he could handle life on his own. God, Paul said, listen, in fact, did you catch it? That same verse, he mentions it twice, the beginning of the verse and the, second, and the end of the verse. He says, lest I be exalted above measure. Here's what it is, one of the reasons that God allowed it. He didn't want him to get exalted because of the experiences he has enjoyed. You know, that's a very valid reason God sends and allows thorns in our flesh, in our lives. So you and I won't become comfortable, so we won't become spiritually lethargic to become bloated with the blessings that he is giving us from his hand. Now listen to me, we sit here this morning, and the fact is this, that if I asked you how your week went, you may just go, oh, fine, it was good, and so forth. If I said, okay, be honest with me, what's going on in your life? What are your issues? What are your problems? Uh, what is it that if you could complain, you would complain about? The fact is, most of us would find some things. Well, this went wrong, and this happened, and boy, I'm facing this, and this is a tough issue, and, and this over here, and this over here. You realize, though, most of the world would look at you and I, and they would think we are blessed beyond measure. As Americans, then, even more than that, my friend, you and I were able to come in this church without fear of being arrested. You and I were able to carry this book without fear of someone persecuting us or, 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 or taking it from us or throwing us in jail. And my friend, though we have not lived in that environment, that is a huge blessing. 
We are blessed. We have been given the revelation of God. You and I sit here this morning, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have the promise of heaven. There's no greater blessing than that. So my friend, you and I are blessed beyond measure. And the reality is this, if we got caught up in ourselves and say, oh man, I'm going to heaven and I'm an American and look, I have a house and I have a car and I have food and man, I have done well for myself. Oh, what trouble we would be in. Pride and arrogance, and we know that pride goes before fall. Haughty spirit. So sometimes, often, if not frequently, God sends or allows thorns in your flesh and in mine, lest we be exalted beyond measure. Lest we think highly of ourselves. Most of us, somebody look at your life and say, oh man, you have it so good. You and I be like, you don't know. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm going through. Can I tell you? God in heaven does, and maybe he sent them and allowed them just to keep you and I humble. We don't like the thought of that, but that's the reality. Paul said it. Paul was thinking, if I could just get rid of this thorn in the flesh, boy, that would help me minister better. And God says, I have other plans. One of the reasons I gave it to you, so you wouldn't be highly exalted, we put it this way. Uh, our thorns in the flesh help us to not become exalted in our own minds. They keep us from getting comfortable where we lose our spiritual focus. We're truly blessed, there's no doubt. But I think there's also a second implied reason for the, uh, the thorns that we uh, enjoy or experience in our lives. It, it's certainly this, it goes right along with it that we wouldn't get exalted, and at the same time, we'd be dependent upon God. See, when I'm humbled, then I have to look somewhere else for strength and, and, and power and, and the means to get through a day, to face something, to overcome it. It goes hand in hand with, with being exalted. Because if I'm exalted, I can handle it. I've done this. I deserve But boy, if I'm humbled, I, I I'm, have a thorn in my flesh that keeps me humble, then it helps me to turn to God to depend on him, to cry out to him often. You see, I would put it this way. Our thorns in the flesh are to drive us to dependency upon the divine Father. Our thorns in the flesh are to drive us to dependency upon our divine Father. That's what God said to Paul. Look at verse 8 with me, if you will. Notice it. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. I don't know about you, but I've prayed for my thorns to go away, haven't you? Car issues, house issues, uh, financial issues, relational issues, problems, troubles, trials. I'll tell you, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take it to God and say, God, could you take this away? Because God can do that. Our God is gracious and merciful. But I don't always know the heart and mind of God fully at the beginning. And so I'm going to pray, but he might say the same thing to us that he said to Paul. Paul prayed about it. He said, I besought the Lord three times. Verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I get rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What a great testimony. 
See, when God doesn't remove it, and, and certainly verse 9, the first part, uh, tells us about this. When God doesn't remove it, then God's desire is for us to subscribe to the grace to make that thorn work for us in his glory. Now, I want you to focus on verse 9. You know what he says? He says it's his grace. His grace. Not someone else's, not self-manufactured, but it's God's grace is what we need to handle and overcome life that with any thorn that I may receive. It's His grace. So I had to subscribe to it. You ever subscribe to something, a magazine nowadays is subscribing to an email from a store or something like that, and you subscribe to it, and all you got to do is subscribe to it, and it, it freely comes. The reality is that you and I ought to daily in prayer ask for God's grace. Lord, listen, Lord, I have this thorn in the flesh. Would you take it away? And if you don't take it away, Father, I need your grace to overcome it. Not to be overwhelmed. Because, Lord, you know my flesh is tempted to throw in the towel, to get discouraged and to despair and anxiety and worry. You know who I am. And Lord, I need your grace to face it, to handle it, and allow you to use this thorn to show your strength in my weakness. That's subscribing to the grace of God. It's resolving in my mind and heart that His grace is sufficient for what I am facing, for what I am going through, what tempts to overwhelm me. Now listen, as I subscribe to that and I embrace it and employ it first in attitude and then in action. So immediately, verse number 9, verse 8, he's saying, listen, God, take this away, take this away. God gives him an answer. And Paul says, and he answered me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made strong in weakness or displayed in your weakness. And then what does Paul do? He changes his attitude about the thorn. Now listen to me. Many of us as Christians, we fail to change our attitude about our trials and our problems and our struggles. We don't look at it like God does. We say, woe is me, woe is this, I can't believe this, I can't believe this is happening to me. Poor me, poor me, poor me. And Paul said, listen, I prayed about it, God didn't take it away. He said, my grace is sufficient, most gladly. Talk about change of attitude. Now, I don't know about you. I wish I could change my attitude that quickly about some of my thorns. That takes the grace of God to do that, friend. Most gladly, he says. Oh, it doesn't stop there. Verse 10, he says, I take pleasure. <laughs> Woo! I take pleasure in that thorn? That's why in the following verse, verse 11, he says, I'm a fool in glory. So I look foolish to some people. You, you glory in that thing that oh, ought to overwhelm you, that, that, that heartache, that, that discouragement, that despair, that, that thing going on. You're telling me that you take pleasure, you're glad about it? My friend, the reality is this. Your attitude has to change first. And then you can follow it up with the action. Allowing grace to permeate and flood your soul and spirit. Embrace that thorn and then allow it God's power to work in you and me through the weakness of that thorn in my life. You subscribe to that grace. You ask for it. To be an overcomer, you and I must subscribe to the grace of God offered to us both in attitude and action. But what we often do is we claim the grace of God. Now listen to me. We claim it. We ask for it. But then when different circumstances come up, 
When things change a little bit, and, and many of us have been in a situation, we prayed about something, and not only did God not take it away, but it got worse. I'm like, man. You know what happens in that? Often then our attitude is affected. It impacts us and it influences us in a negative way. We say, I see, I told you. And, and we, boy, we give up on subscribing to grace. Paul gives us a great illustration here. Look at verse 15 of the same chapter with me. He says this, And I will gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. What's he speaking to? He's talking about changing circumstances. He's talking about maintaining an attitude and an action despite things going like this, the roller coaster of life. In many ways, I would describe it this way. He had a resolve. He was resolute through the grace afforded him by God to overcome his thorn in the flesh and to continue ministering to people. It would have been really easy for Paul to say, listen, I have this thorn in the flesh, and I'm, doing, I, I'm working hard for God, and it's still there. It bothers me. And now, these people, I love them. They don't love me. I quit. I'm done. That Sunday school class doesn't listen. Uh, that church doesn't do this. this. These people I'm trying to help, forget it. I'm done. They don't want my help. I'm not going to give it. That would have been easy, wouldn't it? But Paul's attitude had changed. He said, okay, God, you're not going to take my thorn away. You're going to give me grace, and then I'm going to keep on serving you. With this thorn, no matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I will be an overcomer, not overwhelmed. Now, friend, I want to tell you this morning that I'd encourage you and I. It ought to challenge us to follow in his footsteps in many ways. He said, listen, I'm just going to keep on keeping on despite circumstances. If people received him and loved him, so be it. If people rejected him and they didn't love him so much, so be it. And I want to tell you this morning, that is the attitude of an overcomer that embraces one's thorn and the means of God's grace being poured into one's life. He said, okay, this thorn is going to be the means by which God pours his grace into my life. I can subscribe to it. And so Paul did daily. May I put a little conjecture there? May I, may I add a little a hypothetical thought into this passage? I honestly believe at this point in Paul's life, his prayer went from, Lord, take the thorn away, to, Father, give me the grace to handle this thorn. You said your grace is sufficient. You already answered. You're not going to take it away. All right, then, God, you have promised your grace will be sufficient. Now, Christian, have you lost sight of God's grace being sufficient for your thorn? For the source of your attitude or sense of being overwhelmed? Your trial, your challenge, your struggle. Have you lost sight? Your attitude has changed. Well, you know what? Yeah, I believe God's grace is sufficient, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I have to deal with. You don't know what's going on in my life and the problems I have, and I don't know how that bill's going to get paid. This health issue, I'm waiting on test here. and We can just go on and go on and go on. Yet the challenge for you and I is not allowing, being an overcomer, making sure that circumstances don't change our attitude of subscribing to the grace of God. When you do that, because our attitude and our conviction is that God's grace is sufficient for any thorn that comes into our lives. You want to be an overcomer? That's how it happens.
That's the first step. That's the first thing you need is daily subscribe to the grace of God. All right, God, you're not taking the thorn away. This issue is still in my life. Then you must be saying to me, my grace is sufficient. Then in response, most gladly. Most gladly will I glory in it. How about it, friend? You an overcomer or are you overwhelmed? Number two, I want to share something with you that I shared with our staff and, and even our deacons this week and during time. You know what number two you need to do? Not only subscribe to the God's grace, but number two, you need to saturate yourself with God's word. You need to saturate yourself with God's word. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me share something with you real quickly. Can't go into great uh, detail, but I want to share with you 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's page 710 if you have a pew uh, Bible. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 17. This came to me in a devotional that I receive and read during the week, and I thought this was so good and ministered to my heart, and and, uh, I trust to you and those I've already shared it with. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, look with me at verse number 17, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 17. It says this, that the man of God, and let's understand that's a universal statement. He's referring to men and women like that term is often used. So any believer, any believer, that the man of God may be perfect. Let's stop there. That word for perfect is artios in the Greek. Okay? When we read that, we might think, well, that means sinless perfection. Well, it really doesn't seem to indicate that. The Greek word is only used here. It's used in secular writings and things. And it literally means or carries the idea of being uh, fitted or fresh. Fitted or fresh. Okay? So let me put it into context. Okay? Um, you ever have a bad night's sleep? Okay. Yeah, you ever wake up in the morning and you don't feel fresh? It makes those nights where you actually get a good night's sleep, man, it makes you wake up and like, wow, I feel refreshed. Okay? And uh, man, some of you, you don't feel that until after your cup of coffee, amen? Okay, for some of us, it's Dr. Pepper or something else, all right? But yeah, refreshed, ready to face the day. Literally, that's the idea. Hey, this word perfect means that you feel refreshed, fresh, ready to go. In other words, if I was a coach and, and, and I'm uh, watching the players play and I see, well, someone's kind of lagging behind. They're looking like they're getting tired. I may turn to the bench and say, okay, once you go in, get some fresh legs in there. Get a fresh player, somebody that's fresh and ready to handle it. They'll, they'll get into the game. So that's what that word means. Notice what else it says. That be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Greek term translated as thoroughly furnished actually comes from the same root word. Um, it's just added to it a prefix and so forth, ex artios. And uh, literally, it carries a little bit more of the idea of being equipped or fully equipped, if we might put it that way. So let's combine these two terms. Let's understand what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, God's desire for you and I, don't miss it, that you and I would be fresh, fitted, that, that literally we would be ready to face anything that comes in our lives anything this world and this life throws at us and we would be fully equipped i'd be able to handle it may i put it this way uh, the idea of fresh is ready to meet any present trials i'm also able I, i'm equipped so i have the ability to meet present trials trials okay Th- let me put it this way any of you worked on a car and you've been super frustrated because you didn't have the right tools I have. 
Okay? You want to be fully equipped. You want to have everything that you need and also ready to go at it and to do it. And so this is really the term that we see. Now, 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 what is it that accomplishes that? Well, back in verse 15 of the same chapter, he's speaking to Timothy. He says, listen, you have known the Scriptures since you were a child, the Scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation through Christ Jesus. So that's the first thing. Number one, the only way that you're going to be an overcomer, not overwhelmed, is to to know Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's key. It, this is it. I mean, it'll make you wise into salvation through Christ Jesus. Then he says, a familiar verse, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. It's beneficial. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So what is Paul writing about? Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, I want you to be ready for whatever you face. I want you to be fully equipped for whatever you face in life, in whatever trials, whatever comes. And here's how you do it. You saturate yourself with the word of God. You saturate yourself, you, you study it, you heed it, you obey it, you do it, you apply it. These things are profitable. And you know what he says? He says, listen, the end goal of this is this. From the Holy Scriptures is to produce men and women of God who are both ready and able to handle and overcome the critical challenges and trials which all people face. So now I have the grace of God. i got to subscribe to it. But at the same time, I need to couple with it saturating myself with the very Word of God. Now, I want to tell you this morning, do never, 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 never forget that this is not a dead book. It is an alive book. These are the words of life, not death. These are living, the living word of God. And friend, that will help you and I be an overcomer. You say, well, why is Paul sharing this? This is great. Paul shares this at the end of chapter 3 here. Why? What was this chapter all about? Look at verse 1 with me, if you will. <laughs> Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last day perilous times shall come. And he goes on to describe, yet may I say, the days that you and I live in, it seems like. I don't know about you, but there's a whole lot of problems and trials and issues that we could get worried about in the world, aren't there? You and I could get very overwhelmed. There's a, a Democratic uh, presidential candidate that just last week said this, if I get elected president, we're going to take away the tax exemption of any church that does not recognize homosexual marriage. We are constantly under attack because we simply believe what the Bible says. They can believe what they want, but the moment we say what we believe, we are, we are unkind, we're intolerant, we're mean, we're hateful, and yada, yada, yada. So there could be a lot to be worried about, couldn't there? There could be a lot to get overwhelmed with. Paul knows that. He's writing to Timothy, and he says, listen, here's what the last times are going to be like. It's perilous times. Let's make it more personal. Perilous, the idea of danger, of heartache, sorrow, danger, whatever, however you want to describe that. You know, the fact is this. This past week, you may have had some things happen in your life that were perilous in your estimation. be easy for you and I to over, be overcome with that may be to the depths that I don't know if we're going to be able to stay in our house. I don't know if I can afford this. I don't know health-wise if, if I'm going to be able to still do I mean, it, it could be perilous in our minds. And so Paul comes to the end of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and he says, listen, God wants you to be ready and able to handle anything. How does he do it? There's no special touch of God, oh friend, 
It's simply through saturating yourself with the Word of God. Subscribing to God's grace and then saturating yourself with God's Word. But here's my concern. Unless you are an overcomer that does just that and you are ready and able to face every trial and overcome every attack of Satan, every thorn, every challenge and every circumstance that life throws at you, If you're not an overcomer that saturates and you're a nominal Christian who doesn't diligently study and obey and apply the Holy Scriptures, you won't be ready to face life. Even as a child of God, there will be things that happen that overwhelm you. You won't want to get out of bed. You'll want to pull the covers up. And you'll react fleshly. You'll do things and make um, uh, impulsive decisions and say impulsive things and... uh, All of a sudden, we're not reacting the right way. Why? Well, we could trace it back to the simple fact we're not saturating ourselves with the Word of God. We're not diligently studying and obeying it and heeding it. So make sure you're ready tomorrow morning. Say, how do I get? Boy, Mondays can be rough. I can wake up and I don't know what's going to happen in the office. I don't know what's going to go wrong at home. I I don't know what's going to happen. Great. You know what? Neither do I. The Bible says sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Amen. So how do we be ready for that? Well, you can't take it away. God can if he wants to, but chances are he doesn't want to because he wants your faith to grow. So how do I face it? You subscribe to God's grace and you saturate yourself tomorrow in God's word. You allow yourself and make sure that you are tapping in to what God has given you to be an overcomer and not overwhelmed. Last but not least, turn with me to John chapter 16, if you will. John chapter 16, it's on page 641. Real quickly, let me share this last one with you, and we'll be done. John chapter 16, we're going to look at verse number 7. Okay, so what do we do? Number one, we, we uh, look and see that I need to subscribe to God's grace. Number two, I need to saturate myself with God's Word. Number three, I need to submit myself to God's Spirit. Let me tell you the context that we're looking at here. John chapter 16 and verse number 7. Christ speaking, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I've said it many times before, and it never loses its novelty for me. The fact is this, if Jesus Christ said it's expedient for him to go away, to leave earth, for you and I not to maintain his, his presence here, then he was sending in his place something very powerful and awesome. And that was the Holy Spirit. To say that it's necessary and good and beneficial for us to go away, it just, it indicates and tells us the Holy Spirit is the means by which I can overcome the world. See, God said, Christ said, listen, I'm going to, I need to go away so the Holy Spirit can come and he is going to be the means by which you live. He is going to be the means by which you, you are uh, able to handle everything that life throws at you. So how does the Holy Spirit help you in that? Notice it, verse 13. Look down with me. Verse number 13, if you will. Notice it. How be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You know, from that verse, here's the thing that I love, the description. He describes the Holy Spirit as our guide, as our guide. That will guide us into all truth. Now think with me for a moment. What does a guide do? 
Well, if you submit and surrender, now you may not think of it. You may go to a museum or someplace, and, and they give you a guide to show you around and find that. You may not think about it, but the reality is this. As you're introduced to the guide, you have to decide to submit and surrender to their leadership. In other words, their leading you have to submit to that, and when you do, they're able to take you where you want to go. They're able to teach you things all along the way. Uh, a month or two ago, we went on our Young and Heart activity to the Applewood Estate. That's the Charles Mart uh, Estate. And when we were there, they separated our group up, gave us different guides. And that guy took us around the estate, the gardens and things like that. And as we went through the house, the, uh, she shared all kinds of interesting information about that, that estate, the, the beautiful house, the gardens. Taught, and, and she made her way knowing what room was what and where the gardens was, what, where it was located. I, I, that guide was very beneficial in guiding us and directing us, helping us not to get lost, teaching us things all along the way. Now listen to me. My friend, if we might put it this way, this world and this life is full of landmines that want to go off in your life and mine to overwhelm us. And we need a guide to navigate our way through life. To give us the information, the truth that we need to handle everything that comes up in our life. And it requires that you and I submit and surrender to His leadership. His leading. So that we can turn, overcome the world. You can turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, if you will. Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes of this again in Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. I love the statement here. It's page 695 if you have a pew Bible. But I love the statement. He says this, Paul does, verse 18 of Galatians chapter 5. But if ye be led of the Spirit... He goes on to say you're not under the law. But the point is this. He's challenging us in this passage to be led of the Spirit, um, to surrender to his leading uh, in our lives. And what happens? Now listen, what happens when we, he leads? When we walk in the Spirit, as even verse number 16 says, to walk in the Spirit, okay? What happens when we do that? Well, it produces the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, if you'll look down with me to Galatians chapter number 5 and verse 22 and verse 23. Notice what it says here, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. My friend, that is the fruit of overcoming all that is in our life. When you and I submit to the Holy Spirit, we follow His leading, we see Him produce this fruit in our lives, then as He does, I can face anything. When these fruit are present, because I follow the leadership, the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I've submitted to Him, He produces this fruit, then I am equipped to face anything. I can handle it. I can be an overcomer instead of overwhelmed by that situation that's coming up this week. Paul uh, says it in verse 16, I already alluded to it, but he also says it in verse number 25, he repeats it, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Yielded, submitted, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And if we are walking in the Spirit, it means that we are submitting to His authority and His leading in my life. And if I do that, then I produce the fruit of the Spirit. And when I have the fruit of the Spirit, man, I'm ready for anything that happens. I can handle it. 
You're unkind to me. You're mean to me. I get a bill in the mail, health issues, bad health news. You name it. I can handle it if I am submitting to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You remember 1 John chapter 5, verse 5, I quoted at the beginning of the, uh, the sermon. Turn there and we'll be done. 1 John chapter 5, look with me at verse 4 and 5, if you will. 1 John, remember that question I asked? I, I, I said and I quoted the first part of verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? Well, verse 4 answers it as does the rest of verse 5. Notice it, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Verse 5 asked, who is he that overcometh the world? Verse 4 says this, for whosoever is born of God, now that's the key, right? Born again, we're regenerated. You must be saved to be an overcomer. Otherwise, you will be doomed to be an overwhelmed by life. And boy, do we know many people that are. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And then verse 5, there's the question. Who is he that overcometh the world? And he answers it in his question. Who is he but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now listen to me, look up this way. You and I have both talked to people, and I have experienced it even this past week, of talking to somebody who's gone through horrific trials, episodes in their life, and literally their response was, I am overwhelmed, I don't have life, what kind of life is this to live? I want to take my own life. That was what they told me. Now listen to me. When you don't have Jesus Christ you will be constantly overwhelmed by life. Jesus Christ said this, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And Christian, you say, Pastor Henry, I've read that, and boy, I am so frustrated because I have not experienced abundant life. Well, I will tell you right now, it's probably because you're overwhelmed by life. And life can be overwhelming for a Christian or even a non-Christian. And it will be for a non-Christian. But Christian, you have the means to have victory through your faith. You can be an overcomer. That's what God promises. I love that description, don't you? I love being victorious. I'm competitive. I love winning. He says this victory is our faith. It is acting out of our faith that works in us to overcome the world. So now I have faith in God, but my friend, just like this word is living, you and I have a living faith. It's an ongoing, active faith. And Jesus Christ, throughout the New Testament, he teaches us that our faith, our faith must be active. How is our faith active? It subscribes to the grace that God offers. It saturates and surrenders itself to the Word of God, and then our faith ought to submit oneself to God's Spirit. And then you gain the victory. You enjoy everyday victory. You get to overcome this world that can be overwhelming. So let me ask you, as we enter into this invitation, where has your faith faltered? Let's put it a different way. What, what has rendered you overwhelmed by life rather than an overcomer? Is it a failure to subscribe to God's grace with the attitude that it is truly sufficient for any thorn that comes your way? See, see if I were to ask you to say, you know, listen, I am, I am overwhelmed because, because this is going on in my life. I would submit to you. Now listen, I would submit to you. You aren't overwhelmed by this in your life. You are overwhelmed because you're not subscribing to God's grace. 
It does not matter what's going on in your life. It does not matter the trial or the thing that is thrown at you. Maybe it's an attack by Satan, and certainly he's doing that. But my friend, that has not overwhelmed you. What has overwhelmed you is your failure to saturate yourself with God's Word or submit to the Holy Spirit or subject yourself, subscribe yourself to God's grace. So what has rendered you overwhelmed this past week? Maybe the past year. Is it your attitude that God's grace really isn't sufficient? You haven't made up your mind to say, most gladly, then I'll accept this thorn. And I know God's grace is sufficient. Uh, Maybe it's the simple fact that you fail to diligently study and obey and apply God's word. Regular basis. You're you're not really saturating your mind. Your mind isn't, thy word have I hid in my heart. uh, Your law, I just meditate therein day and night. That's really not me. And man, life is overwhelming. I'm scared what the doctor is going to say. I'm worried about what's going to come in the mail. I'm scared. This is going to, I'm. You fail to saturate yourself with God's word. Then last but not least, friend, how about your guide? Have you totally uh, submitted to the guide of life, the Holy Spirit? Do you allow him to work in you and through you? Has he produced the fruit that he has promised to produce, thereby empowering you and enabling you to be an overcomer, not an overwhelmed Christian? May I submit to you today, this world doesn't need more overwhelmed people. It needs some Christians that are overcomers that give glimmers of hope to people who are in desperate need of hope. And we can introduce them to the one who offers it all. Father, I thank you so very much for your word. I pray, Lord, that now in this invitation that we would respond, that we would be honest and forthright with you. Lord, may we make some decisions to be overcomers and not overwhelmed people. Lord, there's some, no doubt, in this message this morning, as you've even spoken to my heart this week through this message, Lord, there's some who are wrestling with some things. Uh, They're unwilling to to hand some of these burdens over to you, Father. They, uh, They are allowing worry and anxiety and troubles and trials to overwhelm them. Father, I pray this morning they'd be honest with you. May your Holy Spirit prick their hearts, challenge them. May we as Christians get back to being overcomers and not people who are overwhelmed. Lord, help us now. Speak to our hearts. Continue to work. And Lord, help us this week, the days to come, to put these truths into practice. I'm going to ask you to remain seated for just one moment with heads bowed and eyes closed. Just ask you three questions. Make it four, if you will, four or five. Number one, can I just simply ask this? Always important as we gather together. Number one, are you 100% sure that if you died today that you're going to heaven? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone? If that's you, could you just put your hand up all across you? Yeah, I know 100% sure I'm going to heaven. Amen. Thank you. Put it down. You say, Pastor Ernie, I couldn't raise my hand, and you haven't said much about that. You did say in order to be an overcomer and not overwhelmed, I need to be a believer, and I, I'm just not sure that I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure that I know Jesus Christ, and uh, you say, Pastor Ernie, just pray for me. I'm not going to call you out. No one else is looking around. I won't embarrass you, but you say, Pastor Ernie, I'm just not sure that I, that I know I'm going to heaven if I die today. Would you pray for me? Just put your hand up in the air all across the auditorium. Say, Pastor Henry, that's me. Pray for you. Amen. Amen. See those hands? Couple. Amen. Anyone else? Say, Pastor Henry, pray for me. I'm just not sure. I don't know that if I die today, I'm going to heaven. Amen. I appreciate your honesty. Let me encourage you in this invitation to follow. We'll stand. Heads will be bowed. Eyes will be closed. If you raise your hand, would you come forward? Let us open up God's word. We'll show you. We'll share with you exactly what God's word says and how you can know for sure that heaven is your eternal home.
Let me ask this question. You say, Pastor Henry, I admit I've been overwhelmed. Well, this week or sometime this past month or this past year, the Lord laid something on my heart this week, and I have been overwhelmed. At the same time, Pastor, I I know that there's one of these areas, one of these ways that God wants me to be an overcomer and to help me be an overcomer that I have neglected. Pastor, would you just simply pray with me? Pray with me that, that, that I would fix that, get that right with God's help and strength, and I would experience being an overcomer instead of being overwhelmed. That's you this morning. Just put your hand up all across the auditorium. That's me. Amen. Many hands. Any others? Pray for me, Pastor. I, I, I have been overwhelmed. I admit it. And there's some things that I need to get back to doing. There's some things I need to correct in my life to be that overcomer. Anyone else? Join these many hands. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Father, we pray that you'd work in this invitation, and Lord, I pray that as we've raised our hands, as we've made some decisions, that now we'd spend a few moments in prayer making those decisions before you, confessing what our hearts are saying to us, to you in prayer. And Father, I pray as we make these decisions, then we'd go out and live them out. When we find ourselves being those overcomers, you've uh, enabled us and provided us with the things we need to be. Bless now. Speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, for the ones here who've raised their hand about salvation. Lord, I pray that they allow us to take your word and show them. And, Father, may you give clarity of thought and understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And may they understand for sure that if they die today, they're going to heaven. Just work now in this invitation as only you can. 